John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 1403.JM0318, certificate number 21362. Vortex 1. It sounds like uh, this is a new ad we're doing for a, for a toilet bidet attachment. <laughs> Ken, how does Vortex 1 work? Well, are you still using toilet paper, John? <laughs> no, Vortex 1 is not a kitchen small appliance. It's not a jacuzzi. It does have a very 70s sound. Like, yeah, we just bought the new Vortex 1, but it's not clear whether it's a personal computer the size of a suitcase or whether it's a so hot tub. It's like a small Pontiac. Does it, yeah, does it make uh, yogurt smoothies? Well, it also <laughs> sounds like a billionaire space race uh, entry, like some lesser billionaire. Like today? Yeah, like a macaw or somebody tried to get into the space race. The no, wa- no, no. The Walmart, the Walmart daughters <laughs> yeah. each, have a, each have a space spinoff now. No, we have the Vortex One. Uh, where were you in the summer of 1970, John? Paint a picture for, for future viewers who do not remember the summer of 1970. The summer of 1970. Well, my sister wasn't born yet. I was uh, one and a half, or I was probably 18 months old. So you're wearing some kind of corduroy overalls. I was, absolutely, wearing some blue corduroy <laughs> overalls. I was having lots of tea parties. We were living in Kingston, Washington. Right across the right across the strait from beautiful Edmonds, That's home, right. hometown of Rick Steves and me. That's right. And um, and uh, I was having a lot of tea parties. There was a, a, a little girl who lived next door named Bonnie, and Bonnie and I every day would convene me in my corduroy overalls. And a big teddy bear the size of both of you? Well, and I had... Um, at the, that was who were the, the guests? That was the Tonka toy... Mm. Big the big Tonka toy era. I had a I had a Does dump Tonka truck. Does Tonka still exist? I'm not sure, but they haven't been like the big. You know, they were made out of. Yeah, they were the, actually made out of like some kind of die cut metal. Yeah, they were made out of steel. They were kind of dangerous. You could cut yourselves on them, but they were real trucks. And then Bonnie and I just loved having tea parties. And um, I like how you're doing the Macklemore thing, where you're like, "Yo, yo, yo!" When I was three, I was having tea parties. But but but, but for real, man, my Tonka <laughs> trucks were there. But I had a Tonka, so you know, it's cool. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, we did a lot of, I think she and I, there are a lot of photographs, black and white photographs of, of the two of us sitting at a little table. Cause you can't possibly remember this. All your memories of this must come through the, right. the faded 
Kodachrome. We we had a we our house sat up on a bluff and over it was on the water, so we looked out over the is it still ferry there? terminal. Can you see it when the ferry comes in? The house is still there, but it's been it's been dramatically modified, and it look you can really see it now because it has a blue aluminum roof. The, it has a metal roof now that's like blue. So when you're coming in on the Kingston Ferry, you look over to the left, and it's about halfway up the bluff. It's like. I guess they would call it high bank now. That's a neighborhood instead high of bank? no high bank instead of mid bank. Oh, like when I you see. buy waterfront property in I Washington, see. it's like is it low bank? Is it mid bank? Just a just a tip for the future: don't buy low <laughs> bank going forward. <laughs> no, although low bank is it used to be like the more expensive property. I know it's but, just it, it's shelf life. Yeah, but high bank. We I guess we're right at the high bank level, and the house is very visible. When we lived in it, it was just a little ramshackle. A sort of bunch of sheds that had been connected. That when my mom said when they bought it, it had like twenty rooms, but they were all six by eleven or something. So they tore out all the walls. I've looked at houses like that, yeah, and I wonder who built this and why. Well, who's living in this who, house? Who wanted this David Lynchian burrow? And it was in, it was in Kingston, so not like not right. like what what are they doing out there on the on the bluff? It was a cult. But so yeah, I. I uh, we have we were still using only black and white cameras at the time because there are no they, they hadn't put colored film on the ferry. <sighs> 1969, 1968. I mean, I guess there are some Kodachrome stuff other people took, but my parents were classic black and white people until is there eight, is there eight millimeter of you having silent tea parties? <sighs> yeah, there is. There is. Although it never got transferred to video, yeah. so it's still sitting on. It's gradually decaying. We never had anything pre-VHS, and I guess those need to be transferred now. VHS, you yeah. got to put your old VHS uh, movies in the cloud. Yeah, I, there, there are pictures of me toddling around. There's, there's, uh, there's cassettes of me babbling because my mom was so fascinated. I, could, I would sit in my room by myself and just talk to myself for hours. Pre- Who could have predicted? Pre-language. Who could have predicted? And she would put a she a couple of times put a microphone in there and just and every every uh, thirty minutes you'd stop for a Squarespace ad <laughs> and then you'd go back to just blah 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 blah. Your future is set. Uh, I was not born yet in the summer of nineteen seventy, so I don't have charming. You stories. weren't even a twinkle in your parents' eye. My parents weren't even married. Whoa. My parents got married in uh, 1972. I know that because they saw What's Up Doc on their honeymoon. I guess they could have gone to Godfather, but they didn't. Did they? Or they could have gone to the conversation. That would have been a, a nice wedding event. No, wait. No, no, that's 74. That's the same year as Godfather oh, Part Godfather II. Oh, Godfather 2. That's, that's right. I'm Sorry. pretty sure. Um, they could have gone to that while they were in labor, I Did guess. they know each other in 1970? Yeah, I think they went to. They both went to Meadowdale High here in Edmonds. So they were. They did it. There was a twinkle. Oh wait, they were in high school across across yeah, the, the just a the few miles there. away. Yeah, they were. Uh, you could they, maybe they could see your house from Meadowdale Beach. I want to know the closest your parents and I were to one another at any point in the late sixties, early seventies. Because I'm sure we were. I'm sure I was getting off the ferry and they were on their way to high school or something, and we passed within fifty feet of each other. And they were like, "Look at that weird kid in the Look corduroy overalls and the big beard." <laughs> Just talking, talking, talking. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, now today, I mean, future couples will be able to do that backward compatible thing. Maybe if they were holding a device that tracked their movements, right? Where for was decades. I on this date? And it's like, whoa, we we like we're waiting in line at the supermarket. Have you together. seen stories like that, like where a couple gets married and then it's not until 
that after they're engaged, they find out. They realize they're brother and sister. <laughs> yeah, of course, they're brother and sister. No, but their family has photos of them on Main Street at Disneyland. Like one of them is in the background of the other's photo. Or no, something. I haven't seen this. Is this really a thing? Yeah, this this happens from time to time. I mean, Disneyland is very often the nexus because right. where would people from different geographies be taking a ton of pictures with a t- in a crowd? Right. Um, but yeah, no, like in the well, future. A presidential inauguration, maybe. Or... Is that where you were hoping to meet your, that special <laughs> yeah. someone? Yeah. We were. 1972. <laughs> we were both at Nixon's second inauguration, <laughs> baby. We have a lot in common. <laughs> I mean, you would have to date people who were alive in 72. Are you okay with that compromise? Mm, boy, you're, you're right. That limits the limits. No, it probably expands the pool, actually. I want to move down the Pacific coast a little bit to beautiful Portland, Oregon. In 19, I'm not going to say Oregon and piss people off. So I know a little bit about Portland in 1970 because my aunt and uncle were living Interesting. there. Did you ever go down and visit? Well, we, you know, they had that house in Gearhart, yeah. so we would go down there, and we did go, but I don't, I don't obviously don't remember it, but I do remember them talking about Portland. In the early 70s. But not in the same way that people today in rural places talk about Portland and Seattle as like uh, a fallen dystopia they've heard about on conservative news. No, at the time, Portland, Portland was a reliably red state through Bush Dukakis, maybe? Or Oregon, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I think at the time, you know, Portland's heyday was a long time before that. Lumber? Lumber and, and um, uh, yeah, like shipping, agriculture shipping. Mouth of the Columbia stuff. Um, but I think by 1970, nothing interesting had been happening in Portland for a long, long time. <laughs> and it was a sleepy little, a sleepy little nowheresville, which it was until 2000 and what, 10? It, it, it was all rents in Seattle rising that yeah. created modern Portlandia. I was, you know, I was just there last weekend, and uh, since you mentioned Gearhart, let me just get totally off the subject. Let's there was, go. All there, the was way. An, there was an exhibit. <laughs> go the there, distance. There was an exhibit at a, at an Oregon Historical Museum about early um, Portland beach culture, like 20th century, because you know Seaside and Gearhart were where you would go. There was no, you know, it would take it would take days to get there on some weird. <laughs> no, it, it would take like the better part of a day to get there on some weird tram or something. Right. And uh, and then the husbands would all show up later in the weekend on the daddy train. <laughs> the daddy train. Which is something different in Portland today. Why is that not a thing? <laughs> and so the kid and so the, the exhibit had all these postcards written home from kids who were loving um their beach getaway but could not wait for the daddy train. If anyone would like to get on the daddy train, just write us <laughs> at Omnibus. So yeah, so Gearhart was like early. It was like the, you know, it was the Atlantic City boardwalk or whatever of uh, or you know, the Long Island of of uh early 20th century Portland. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that those uh, those beach towns, Gearhart in particular, is built in the Cape Cod style. Yeah, um, and probably for that reason. Like, this is where you're yeah. going to have your... The whole town, your nice getaway, as if you were a, a Boston Brahmin. It's a. It was all. It was all designed in that Cape Cod uh, revival style. But what I what I learned was that Cape Cod, as a revival style, was not really any older than Gearhart. Oh, Cape Cod is like all those, uh, all that Provincetown stuff is from the same era. Well, I mean, the you know it's all based on a colonial revival thing, but the. I mean, it's it's based on the colon the original colonial, but colonial revival was a thing that happened nationally contemporaneous with Gearhart. So Gearhart 
it's not anachronistic, yeah. right? It's not like, whoa, it's just a fake Cape Cod. It's like, no, this is actually just as fake as the ones you're buying that taffy you see that was Boston. made in 1932. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in sleepy Portland in the summer of 1970, uh, two friends named Robert W E H E Weehee. Way W H E he we what was it? <laughs> Some of those are not letters, John. <laughs> w E H E way, yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> you think it's Chinook jargon? Yeah, is it a native? Does American it have one name? of those upside down question mark things? <laughs> well, hey, Robert Wee and Glenn Swift hop in their Opal Cadet. You're, you're loving this already. I, I do bet. the Opal Cadet and drive <laughs> drive from Salem up to Portland. It's like, uh, it's the it's basically the Opal Cadet is the German. Let's, version of the let's, let's look at a picture uh, of the Pontiac Vortex One. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, this is exactly how you want it to look. Yeah. Okay, they hop in their Opal Cadet uh, and drive up from Salem to Portland because they want to see Governor Tom McCall, um, the governor of Oregon today. Immortalized, you know. Today, I think he's a fondly remembered governor. The the big waterfront park in Portland is Tom McCall Waterfront Park to this day. Because um, that was an industrial wasteland, and he was one of the yeah. that, uh, first visionary late '60s, early '70s mayors that was like, "Why don't we stop pouring sewer water right into the <laughs> river and like put a bike trail there?" Socialist. Uh, they, yeah, I mean Portland to this day. One of the I love Portland so much, but unlike Seattle, it does not have the beautiful hills and beaches and. Ter- I mean. Portland's extremely flat, which is lovely for bike for bicycling. It's good for biking, and it does not have beautiful hills and beaches and vistas. It's got that south that south hill, but you could see. Try getting there. You can see Mount Hood <laughs> on a clear day. Um, but yeah, but, Mount, but, you, you can see Mount Adams on a clear day. You can, but there is a lovely waterfront park now, thanks yes. to uh, you know the, well, that remembers. It's lovely. fine. <laughs> 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 um. I think I feel like every time I've been there, there's been some beer festival going on with that's, um, that's what they do with, with those little Ferris wheels they bring in on a truck. Yeah. Uh, Robert and Glenn want to see Governor McCall because they have an idea. They are from a counterculture group called the Family. Oh, they're going to assassinate so can, him. So how can this go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Family, legendary Northwest, the Family. I think this is actually a nice group called the Family. Wait no, a nobody's. It's not, the, it's not the group from Sadro Woolley. No, nobody, the nobody's going to get stabbed. There's no letter bombs, package bombs in how this story. How many the families are there in the Northwest? These are just a bunch of college kids in Salem who have an idealistic idea, and they cannot see Governor McCall will not see them. And so they settle for a meeting with his chief of staff, one Ed Westerdahl, who also does not want to take the meeting, but gets cornered into it and <laughs> takes a few me- meetings with these probably smelly kids from Salem. Yeah. Uh, they're not from Reed. <laughs> this sounds like something from yeah, Reed. Yeah, I mean, where where are they going to school if they're coming up from... Maybe they're not in school if they're coming up from Salem. Well, They, they must mean, just be locals. No, they're at... Um, they're coming from Willamette. Oh, is that is, yeah. is that where Willamette U is? Willamette U is in Salem. Go Willamette. Uh, by the way, people say Willamette wrong a lot. Who? People. They say it as Willamette? Yeah. Have you not heard? Like, if you're not from the Northwest, you just think it's Willamette, and we should make a point for the future. Oh, no, it's Willamette. Yeah. We're sorry. Everything, we pronounce everything just slightly wrong up here. <laughs> you can never look at a thing and know how it's know how we say it. It was Lewis and Clark's fault. They you had, mean Luis and Claire? They, Cla- they had a falling out. One of them was saying Willamette and one of them was saying Willamette. We played at Willamette once, the long winters. It was a great show. 
What's that school like? Uh, small, cool. Um, it was one of those shows. This happens sometimes when you're in a band. You, you're. It's like a festival put on by a college, and all day long, you know, there are five bands or something like that, and the the crowd just seems really kind of sparse and people just sort of wandering around the fringe and you're like, Oh, this is going to be a terrible show. Like, why did we ever agree to this? And then as the headliner, you walk out on stage and suddenly there are 1200 people there (laughs) that weren't there five minutes before. Usually we were the victim of this because we, we were opening for the, yeah, we were opening for the presidents of the USA or whatever. And it's like, why is there no one here? And then all of a sudden there were, but at this show we were the headliner. Where are they coming from? UFOs They're, are dropping them off. They they all, you know, the show is, the headliner goes on at 8, and they're all smoking weed in their dorms until 7.56. They were pre-gaming. Um, so just to set the scene a little bit about the summer of 1970, you probably remember this from your tea party. You, were you and Bonnie talking about the, the firebombing of Cambodia? That was on TV a N- lot, yeah. Nixon had just invaded Cambodia. I mean, not not personally. He didn't stride across the jungle like Dr. Manhattan. But right. the U.S. had just invaded Cambodia in April. Right, just handing Pol Pot uh, his his uh, set of encyclopedias, his and his nine year old assistants. Um, and a few weeks later, uh, as a result, I mean, one of many results, the killings at Kent State happened in early May. So you mm. know, a bunch, a large group of kids protesting the invasion of Cambodia got fired on by the National Guard. Four dead in Ohio. I've been to Kent State, too. Did you guys play? No, we were not invited to play, but I did. I was in the neighborhood, and I was like, let's go see it. I've been to Daly Plaza. It's a, let's... Big, uh, it's a big memorial, right? Yeah, it is. And were, now, you, and were yeah. you there just like at Daly Plaza to see if JFK Jr. was coming back? I, no, I wasn't there for that. Uh, the Daly Plaza thing was weird. I was is it dr- Daly? I've been saying Daly my whole life. Oh, I always say Daly. See, if we were from Texas. This right. is the Willamette of Dallas. They'd probably say it Daly, and it wouldn't, we, it, it wouldn't help us. Yeah, we wouldn't know. But I was driving through Dallas, and I had that weird experience where you you know, you know come through the tunnel. I want to shoot the president. Well, <laughs> well a little bit. <laughs> you, you come through the tunnel, and you're like, weird. I feel like I've been here. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, the road kind of... Um, I've never been. It, 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 it splits off into a V, like the traffic going into town goes to the right, and then the, the road that Kennedy was on is coming from the left. And, Typical. Yeah, exactly. And they combine to go under the tunnel. But So you're, you're, you're in this space all of a sudden, because on the other side of the train tracks, you don't feel like you're... It's, it's not familiar. It, history could not possibly happen, right? It's kind of, a, it feels like a weird spot anyway, right? Yeah, it's just a, it just, it feels like a kind of, it's almost like a gate to the city, right? The railroad tracks feel like a medieval wall and you come through the tunnel and then you're in Dallas, you know, there it is. But you're also like, it's just strange how you've seen it your whole life from a thousand angles, except for this one, which is coming through the, and, and. It took a second, but looking around, even in a moving car, you're like, wait a minute. I know this place. That's funny. Oh, wait. You know, and then you're just like. And then you duck. Well, no, then you slam on the brakes, right? Because there's probably 60 accidents an hour (laughs) in that spot. It's second only to the Abbey Road crosswalk. (laughs) Um, And then there's a man with an umbrella and a woman in a red coat. Yeah. What what do they say in the Oliver Stone movie? It's a shooting gallery or something like that. Yeah, it's it's a a fishbowl. Yeah, something like that. Um, so as a result, these college pro, so there's a big memorial at Kent State now, uh, I've seen pictures and as a result, you know, these protests, which had, you know, had been going all through the sixties, just spread through the country, including in Oregon, 
that there were thousands of protests, thousands of protesters at U of O and that those turned violent at OSU in Corvallis. They bombed the ROTC building. Um, but things got really bad at Portland state. Oh, um, they're still bad at Portland state. <laughs> you gotta be careful. We're, you don't know who's listening. 135 professors like canceled class in solidarity with the student movement there. Right. They had, they had like a more sympathetic, um, leadership administration right in the heart of town portland state. right and uh but students started blocking streets they occupied the student union you know that's still true to this day <laughs> yeah, this well, well, i mean you were just there is that still is that area still kind of a um like an encampment i mean i guess all the cities in the west now are are basically just yeah i mean it's hard to tell the difference between activism and the unhoused population in a lot of these big cities portland in particular um you know it's it's having a rough time right now they just can't cope with the uh, the scope of the of the problem um but you know back then it's a very conservative city um, oh, sure. you know they've got their their police chief and their mayor particularly their mayor and their parks commissioner are you know law and order <laughs> right. died in the wool uh we're not having this michael douglas in falling down exactly they've yeah. all got crew cuts and they don't want the dirty hippies in their parks and so that's why the that's why Parks Commissioner Frank Evancy becomes a, a player here because the, all the PSU students are camped out at a local park, and he's like, no, no, no. Oh. And over the objections of other officials, he sends in cops, and protesters get clubbed, and it tensions start to run high in the summer of 1970 in the streets of Portland, and in particular, the you know thir- 31 kids in this. After the parks commissioner sends in his parks and rec goons, uh, why is the parks commissioner sending in cops? But 31 of these kids have to seek medical help, and out of it forms a kind of a newly um, radical and militaristic wing of this student movement called the People's Army Jamboree. Hmm. So at the end, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. But there's also a, an army, and in particular, the People's Army. It's a strange juxtaposition. <laughs> I guess scouts have jamborees, and they're all uniformed up. They're pretty militaristic. They've got knives and, and memories of the Boer War, as yeah. you know, as but, we've discussed. But no one would say that they were the People's Scouts. <laughs> no, no, they're not. They're not a. Um, they're not a Khmer Rouge type uh, uprising. But and that's the thing, um, uh, like a Maoist movement doesn't usually have a jamboree do they have patches they must yeah they must have merit badges of some kind and and big elaborate award ceremonies so they have they have some Uh, scouting dna although that's pretty bourgeois to have an award ceremony i don't know everyone should be equal in the people's army jamboree can i just feel like you know each village does have some brave soul who gets to come up and get the and shake hands with the chairman and get their patch they get they maybe they get an extra bag of rice (laughs) from each according to his ability that sounds more corrupt if you're getting a bag of rice um and here's the problem the people's army jamboree has a very specific uh do they have a banjo (laughs) is there a bear that plays the banjo (laughs) (laughs) it's not that kind of jamboree they have a very specific policy goal here because through a series of uh Unfortunate events. The American Legion, the um, oh here we the go. conservative veterans organization, sure is having its summer convention that year in guess where Portland, Oregon. This is starting to sound like a Hunter S. Thompson book. <laughs> Fear and loathing <laughs> in the Rose, or, District. or like a Tom Wolfe novel of the same era. <laughs> and uh, the theme of the American Legion uh, convention that summer couldn't be better. Kill the hippies. Victory in Vietnam. 
Wow. Victory in Vietnam. They were they weren't reading the room. We're just gonna we're just gotta keep bombing and invading and it's bound to happen. And they've invited a special guest. You know him, you love him, President Richard M. Nixon. To come to Portland. To come to Portland and speak to the American Legionnaires. Wow. Holy holy cats. Yes. So, you know. They're not going to have Legionnaires disease, maybe, but it seems like it could mm. be worse. There and could be is, more deaths. This is a long time before Watergate. Nixon is, um, he, had not, he had not yet been to China? Yeah, the summit with Mao is 1972. Right. So, so he has not yet received whatever patches Mao gave him. But he's still he's still doing the, um, we can win in Vietnam. Every It's all happening. We're, we've been to outer space. We've been to the moon. Yeah, Nixon's name is now on the moon yeah. in 1970, which uh, not a lot of other... Right, take that, Johnson. Of other corrupt politicians <laughs> can say. Um, and Governor McCall starts to be concerned because it, it becomes clear that all parties here are spoiling for a fight. The American Legion would love it if their convention became a flashpoint of, uh, you know, we can put down the hippies. The People's Army Jamboree wants to get into the headlines, um, clubbing and getting clubbed. The Nixon administration in particular seems not concerned at all. They would love to have you know, in some lower tier American city, the specter of, you know, the dirty counterculture rising up and uh, the law and order forces of the Nixon administration putting it down. This would, no matter what happens, it's going to play well with voters in 72. Yeah. The 68 democratic convention in Chicago and the subsequent police riot. That's the data point there that McCall's worried about. Right. Like, what if this is Chicago all over again? And the FBI is coming to him and saying, it's, don't worry, it's actually going to be much, much worse. <laughs> like, we're, like, we're looking at the numbers. Here's how many, here's how many kids are going to be flocking up here. They're not all going to be putting flowers and rifles. Like, here's the number of National Guard. It's going to be worse than daily Chicago. And in wow. sleepy, sleepy Oregon and sleepy Portland... That's not what the governor wants to hear. He's also up for election seven weeks after the convention. Yeah, right. So the governor is, uh, sure, stressing about it. Yes. Because we're very famous up here in the Northwest for taking what would be a pretty boring like uh, convention, say, for instance, of World Trade Organization delegates. Something that wouldn't even <laughs> you wouldn't even notice unless you were walking through the lobby of the West in that day. Right, and turning it into like a, a week-long absolute like frenzy where you still see clips in rage against the machine videos to this day (laughs) yeah and that's this is kind of uh maybe this is the beginning of the northwest as you know it it seems like the nixon administration is specifically considering using it as a um you know that that dangerous part of the country over there you know which is kind of how it functions in conservative media to this day you're not from seattle it's way over there in the corner and it has fallen to the socialists. Yeah. and it, it, It's a boogeyman. It was certainly, I don't remember exactly when Wavy Gravy arrived in Eugene, but... Um, yeah, it was that's a good question. Was Eugene already hippied up in uh, 1970? For sure, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. So it, it was happening. It's all happening. It's all happening, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think um, the Merry Pranksters bus arrived in Portland or in in. Uh, yeah, Kesey's from Eugene. Yeah, he's from he's so from they Eugene, come so. by their Kool Aid um, naturally. He's a native, I think. Yeah, uh, it's a, you know Ber- Berkeley outside of Eugene, Goshen maybe Goshen. It's on the way to my. I used to spend my summers in Eugene as a kid. Drive through Goshen, and my um, Bible conversant parents would always say, "Land to Goshen." 
like they were the Jodes. They really are something. Your Bible-adjacent parents. Do you think they're the last people in America to say, land of Goshen? No, I don't believe they are. I, I th- mean, they wouldn't say it when um, when the dog got into the peanut butter. They would yeah. say it when they passed a road <laughs> sign that said, Goshen, Oregon, population 741. They wouldn't say it when uh, when they struck oil accidentally <laughs> with a, by shooting at a varmint? Yeah, we're going to go to the cement pond. No, I'm sure there are people in red state America who are bringing back land to Goshen. Uh, because it make, reflects their make America their, Goshen again. Their American values. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why didn't Why did Margaret Atwood use Gilead as the name of her ethno state? It could It could have been Goshen. Your dad is a punning dad. Unfortunately, but you yes. are all, all dads punning are, dad. All dads are punning no. I don't dads. pun. I don't make puns. You don't. When, you just make your mom jokes. Name a pun. Yeah, I do make your mom jokes, but name a pun I've ever made. Mm. I'm sure there are listeners to the program, future links. There's a complete list on the Discord. Cataloged our two puns. You're, you're going to hear it. Can this holiday season that is upon us or approaching rapidly, um, it's really a time of home-cooked meals and delicious smells. I think of it as an olfactory holiday. It's all about smells. It really. is about smells. It's but you know, gingerbread I, and the Christmas tree mm, and the, the menorah smells yeah, the menorah like smells. Uh, candle, I guess. It smells like oil that cause the, 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 magically keeps burning. Magical oil. Dreidel smell. Uh, I, uh, because this is also in the Northwest atmospheric river time, I spend a lot of time down in my clay bottomed uh creek and when i come up from hard work down in there moving rocks and logs boy i smell the high heaven you are not adding to the delicious holiday smells no i'm not i am subtracting from them uh and i you know i uh i've discovered um that it's appalling i i never used to bother me my my i don't even notice it but it's uh but it takes away from other people's holiday experience let me recommend something you could do to get the smell of the holidays back into your crevices and armpits. Tell me John. more. <laughs> Let's tell the people about Native. Native is a company that cares about the product you put on your body, deodorants and, uh, and whatnot. Um, they always have these classic and rotating seasonal scents. Yeah. And that means around the holiday season, you can get a body wash or a toothpaste or a deodorant that smells like candy canes. Native is great because it's all aluminum-free deodorant. The The whole idea is simple ingredients like shea butter and coconut oil uh, that, uh, you know, no chemicals, no terrible um, tested-on animals, uh, you know, junk to keep you clean. Have a clean conscience when you smell good. Now you're saying that uh, that they have they have holiday scents? Candy cane, sugar cookie, fresh mistletoe. If you've ever wondered, why don't I smell like fresh mistletoe I do. during this festive time of year? I do wonder. There is now no excuse. Stay merry is what you're saying. Stay merry and happy and fresh this holiday season. You will love Native's limited time seasonal products as much as we do. Go to nativedeodorant.com and use code OMNIBUS to get 20% off your first purchase at checkout, are you using toothpaste that smells like a sugar cookie, John? Mm, well, yes, in the sense that I brush my teeth with sugar cookies. <laughs> no, that you're doing it wrong. You need to go to nativedeodorant.com and use code OMNIBUS to get 20% off. That's nativedeodorant.com. Enter code OMNIBUS. So into this powder keg with a worried governor worried about 
not just riot in the streets, but also his re-election prospects. Come Robert Way, or, or Nay Way Hey, and Glenn Swift, who are alarmed about the People's Army jamborization of what they think should be a peaceful chill youth movement oh so they're they're the cool they're called the family but they're not because they're going to murder people i see they're the moderates yeah they're the cool hippies they're the mainstream democrats you are, of this story. Yeah, they're the new democrats <laughs> all these guys voted for reagan twice and clinton twice and the, the that's other, what i'm saying i mean nike hasn't been invented yet but the but the uh the jamboree is already threatening to burn down the nike store <laughs> yeah if there was one the doc martin store would probably be okay uh you know Extremists from both sides of the spectrum need both their, sides need their dark markets, right. um, and so they've got an idea. They think have a jamboree. No, they, wait, that's the other side. Well, they want a real jamboree. They want to tell Governor McCall, and they settle for his chief of staff that instead of uh, you know uh, taking a hard line against these protests, that the state of Oregon should try a diversionary tactic. Oh, a three-day weekend festival of music. And pot and yeah, and, go on and issues and dancing and fun and uh, vegetarian food under the yeah <laughs> tofu <laughs> under the stars and uh, it, it's a diversionary tactic. Krishna, basically, Hare Krishna, Krishna, send, Krishna. Send all the kids to a free music festival. Where on the waterfront? Well, that's the problem. Oh, they they want two things. They want the governor to give them free access to a state park. And number two, they want no cops. Police turn a blind eye, low police presence. Uh, yes, oh. yes, everybody's going to be um, smoking grass. And yes, uh, people are going to be shimmying naked yeah. in the moonlight and possibly in the daylight, depending on what they've ingested. Sure. Um, and the cops will not say boo. So they want to have a rainbow gathering, basically. That's exactly it. And they're like, it's going to be well behaved. You know, we'll, we'll just... You know, you don't have to worry about violence. Like sure. this is the thing that's going to stop hippies self police. There, um, there's only violence if you put them if you put hard hats sure. in the equation. If it's just hippies, what if, are they? If there's do? no rifles to put a flower in, <laughs> yeah. you just put the flowers in your hair and yeah. eat some mushrooms, right? Yeah. So, uh, Chief of Staff Ed Westerdahl actually thinks this kind of sounds like a good idea. Is After, he a young Chief of Staff? Is he kind of like? Does he have sideburns? This guy. I'm picturing him as like the 28 year old chief of staff who's who who can who can uh, like rock a tie, but he does have like longer hair. That is correct. He is 34. He was an intelligence officer in Vietnam in the 50s. I'm now looking up Westerdahl's. Uh, there you go. CV. He died in 19. He died in 2010. Um, but yes, he was a young sideburned, but you know. Former also Army Intelligence. Yeah. Um, but he spins his chair out of the wall. He's a John Dean. And he thinks about it, and he thinks, maybe this is just the kind of outside-the-box idea the governor needs. Right. He walks into McCall's office. Or, you know, he he mentions it to McCall's staff. I think he sends out a memo. And predictably, um, Mayor, what's the name of Portland's name? Mayor Strunk and, uh, you know, uh, baton slapping Parks Commissioner Evancy. Uh-huh. Uh, just laugh like you like what this is insane <laughs> and mccall's first the governor mccall's first response is are you out of your expletive deleted mind expletive deleted and because this is 1970 1970 we don't know if oh it's not 72 yeah esther uh westerdahl's only 34 so we don't know if that's a god no, or, if that's, a or if that's or if that's effing 
Oh, yeah. Because today you would know what that blank was if you saw it in the New York Times. But because this is 1970, that could just be God. Yeah, or like freaking. No, he wouldn't have said <laughs> he freaking. He wouldn't have said freaking. Like the, freak, the freaks were saying freaking. <laughs> but anyway, are you out of your, you know, I've got an election Gosh, seven, darn seven weeks after the convention. Um, but, you know, he also turns his swivel chair around and looks at the wall. I guess he talks to his legal counsel. He says, what are the implications of this? And they say, well, you know, there's nothing in the rule book that says a golden retriever can't hold, you know, it's the Airbud rule. I guess sure. we, we could have a free music state sponsored music for Woodstock in a, in a Oregon state park, I guess. Sure. It's, um, a, it's like a hamster dam. <laughs> exactly. It's hamster dam for hippies. Yeah. Uh, but he, he says, uh, the legal counsel says, it's very likely you will lose the election because of this. Hmm. Because you're in. Because it's a law and order state. It's red state Oregon. It's, it's, it's loggers yeah. and their families. And a state-sponsored Woodstock is not what they signed up for when they elected Tom McCall. What's funny is that throughout the 80s and 90s, we always thought of Oregon as half loggers, half uh, pot farmers. Yeah. But this is pre-pot farmer, or the pot farmers were just moving in. And it's weird to think of, because Oregon's still a very, very conservative state, if you get out of the pot farmer corridor if you get 25 minutes out of portland you, you you have school boards that are worried about critical race theory yeah 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 yeah. and any anywhere outside of that yeah outside of that quarter like, even on the coast it's suburbs it's like like oswego yeah. you know it's so but it's funny to think of it as uh, but the, you know that was true of everywhere yeah except uh, everywhere that wasn't san francisco so into this environment, I mean, McCall, to his credit, spins around in his chair and says, I've made my decision and I've just committed political suicide. Oh, he's going to do it anyway. We are going to have a state-sponsored music festival. He gives them he, Esti- he gives them uh, McIver Park in Estacada, just southeast of Portland. So he's, but he's thinking the alternative is, is uh, a bunch of Chicago. violence and, and that's not going to work. Either. We're going to be on, on Cronkite or, or Brinkley-Huntley. Yeah. Um, because people are going to be bleeding in the streets of Portland. And he's not wrong. We said, we saw that that's what, that is what happens when there's demonstrations in Northwestern cities. Um, so he agrees to give them this park in Southeast Portland. He agrees that the cops will, or sorry, Southeast of Portland. It's, it's, right. it's, it's not in Southeast. Um, and it's, it's announced as a state sponsored free music festival. Like they don't make any, you know, it's not like, um, COINTEL pro, it's not uh-huh. some black ops thing where they later <laughs> find out that the all the money came from the some slush fund. Like the papers announce it as the governor's pot party. Um, yeah. So immediately, I'm sure he's not doing great in the polls. Governor's pot party. Um, That's what they should have called the festival. <laughs> and so there's it's, there's a bunch of music. There's a couple of days of music, but there's also like panel discussions and uh, you know it's a it's a whole be in the. <laughs> When you look at, uh, you should look at the lineup. I don't know how well you know the Oregon music scene of 1970. Um, if you look at reminiscences of the event, it's all about how Santana was there and Grateful Dead were going to be there. And I hear Jefferson Airplane is there. In fact, like none of those bands actually played, although contemporary reporting says that, and presumably they reached out and, you know, Oregon was not going to pay their quote. I, I, uh, <clears throat> I've seen Santana. Four different times in the 1980s. That might be too many times and, to see Santana. And I saw The Grateful Dead twice, once with Santana. <laughs> and uh, 
And I, you know, Santana sound, it's, it, Santana's better on paper than in person. I, I watched Santana play an entire show once where he never faced the audience. He just faced the drummer. I've seen Bob Dylan do that. That's why you need Rob Thomas. You need Rob Thomas yeah. out there, like shaking, play, and playing up to all the teenage girls out there. Did I ever tell you about the time I met Rob Thomas? No. I was walking down the street in New York City with Hodgman, and Rob Thomas is getting out of a BMW. We're down in the Lower East Side, and he looks at us and he recognizes John Hodgman and gets this huge smile on his face, like so psyched to meet John Hodgman. John Hodgman has no idea who he is. Uh. And I know who Rob Thomas is, of course, because I'm conversant or was at the time with popular culture. You're, you're, you're a, a keystone in this event. So it's a very interesting situation. So the two of them have this, you know, R- Rob Thomas marches right over like, John Hodgman, hi, man, huge fan. And John's like, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and, you know, like just dealing with him like he's, um, he's just a, a fan who happens to have a bunch of earrings. And, uh, and I'm just like beaming at the weirdness of the moment. But of course I don't explain because I don't want to explain. Were you not tempted to explain? I, absolutely. But, but I was, but I choked it back. You could have, you could have created a little moment. No, I was like, this is the perfect moment for me. Mm. This is me. I get this. Sociopath. I see. <laughs> Did you tell Hodgman later? Later. Okay. <laughs> and he had to Google Matchbox 20. Probably. No, I think he'd heard of them at least. Um, in fact, the lineup is just entirely, Oregon bands, mm-hmm. Lloyd Jones and the Brown Sugar Band, mm-hmm. Jacob's Ladder, Mixed Blood, Portland Zoo. These are still band names in Portland to this day. Two, two band. <laughs> <laughs> so no national acts really, um, no national rock acts really came in. Um, Gene Chandler, uh, known for his hit Duke, Duke, Duke of Earl. Oh, yeah. Uh, played. He, I guess by this time he had like a, a backing band called Funk. So he had... He pr- presumably embraced Black is Beautiful. Um, and uh, blues harmonica great uh, Charlie Musselwhite. Yep, sure. Played. Apparently, so, you know, if you're, a, if you're a blues fan, boy, this is the weekend for you. Well, and this was at a time when American blues artists were uh, able to tour the states, but also still kind of in a, they hadn't like had their third revival yet, so... There was some crossover, right? With with the yeah, this with, was with the young like Howlin with Wolf. the young lefty types. Like they they liked yeah. listening to like. There's plenty of those bluesy bands at Woodstock the year before. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, apparently, Ginger Baker of Cream was there but did not play, which is very confusing. That seems super weird. Why is he just? He's in, a big Charlie Musselwhite suburban fan. Portland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was just in Charlie Musselwhite's bus. From what I know of that guy, I'm very surprised he didn't get up. He was probably playing bongos somewhere. <laughs> um, and the festival turns out to be a huge success on the face of it. Oh, I'm excited to 50, hear this. Fifty to a hundred thousand people. You know, the traffic jam goes 20 miles back to Portland. They had not built, um, what was the name of the, the beltway that opened? Is that the 205? The 405? No, we, I think we have the 405. Do they have the 205? I don't know. You know what I'm talking You're about. You're talking about the one that goes around Portland? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. So yeah, that was that, a, was that open in 1970? No, that's what I'm saying. No, like, no, no, like, it wasn't there. Like that not having been there, there's, you know, there's a lot less, there's, you know, it's, it's not as easy to get to this, this, um, point south of portland no so. and this is like this is south of clackamas it's yeah, not it's clackamas oh, county even now it's not on the way to anywhere no like but the traffic backs up to to what is now that clackamas oh yeah, retail yeah, right, right, center oh, you right. know 82nd and so 20 miles of traffic 50 to 100 000 kids 
Um, I feel like this area all burned in that giant forest fire oh, last maybe. year. I feel like there's nothing left of this whole area now. There were some attempts to make trouble, some drunk loggers. I think the park is still there. I, I, I just looked at pictures of the, of the state park. Yeah, but did it... Let's see how it, wooded it was. It's still there and completely denuded. There are trees. You're I looking mean, at it in... That in I'm, I'm looking y- at... The live cam? <laughs> <laughs> we go now to Milo McIver State Park <laughs> in the <laughs> Omnibus <laughs> Newscopter. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just looking at photos of the campgrounds there. Those could be two years old. Oh, you mean the fires from like the big fires last, last year. summer? Yeah, the ones yeah, that burned right. all the way to the the edges of Portland. I guess you're right. Like, well, I mean, a few years ago, like my sister's house in Medford, they were all packed up and ready to go because it was it was going to hop the freeway. Um, so there was no trouble with cops. Like a few drunken loggers showed up to try to, you know, make some trouble with the hippies. Yes, they do, and were promptly they were the only arrests made. I think. Yeah, um, that's the way it should be. For the most part, everybody smoked whatever they wanted, and everybody took off all the clothes they wanted. Yeah. And see, this is your ideal weekend. You say you hate hippies, but what? this is now your perfect weekend. Um, the People's Army Jamboree was not happy about the counter-programming. And so they sent in activists to try to stir up uh, trouble. Uh-huh. I was going to say a, a naughty word, but we don't do that on this show. Yeah, except you just said, that they, you just took the Lord's name in vain just recently. I was quoting Governor Tom McCall, a Republican, so so it's okay. Apparently here, uh, now I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm resorting to Revit, or, or to uh, to Reddit, not Revit. This is where you get your news about, about the Oregon forest fires? But it says here that the, uh, that the Milo McIver Park survived the forest fire but of course this is reddit so that could not be that's the front that's the front page of the internet oh sure 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 you're right it's got to be right right the people's army jamboree sent some activists in hoping to try to you know lure some of these crowds away to to some butt kicking at the american legionnaires convention and um by all accounts the the tactic taken by the vortex organizers by the way the full name this is pretty good the forename was um, Vortex a biodegradable festival of life? Um, we usually oh. we usually say Vortex One today, even though there was no Vortex Two. But the, the it was a very it's filled a very specific need. The festival itself was biodegradable. <laughs> wow! Yeah, not the heavy, not just the the sandwich bags that people brought. Right, literally the festival biodegraded away <laughs> on, on Sunday morning. <laughs> Um, so when the jamboree, when the people's army sent in their rabble rousers, um, basically the, the nearest college age women would just, um, you know, take off their tops and, uh, just surround the, surround the guy with the megaphone and just coo and, um, what? and tickle his ears until this uh, was really a tactic. Apparently. And I don't know if this is just the, what comes naturally to you when you've been eating mushrooms all weekend and you're wearing loose fitting clothing. Or if if somebody was deploying these women, yeah, but it appeared to work. Like uh, nobody was that interested in Cambodia once they had once they had a hippie chick whispering sweet nothings. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if that tactic could be weaponized to eliminate war. Uh, yeah, it's kind of the opposite of the Lysistrata strategy. Yeah, you need to just be having so much sex that there's no time for uh, any kind of. Or potential Activism. sex. 
Not actual sex. No, it's, no. I mean, although that would eliminate war too, but it'd yeah. be harder to deploy. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. There's a, there's a refractory period involved. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> the whole thing turned out to be pretty anticlimactic because Nixon didn't show. Literally. Wait a minute. L- Nixon didn't come. Nixon... Well, no, he Whoa, didn't show. We I don't. See. Okay. <laughs> history does not relate. He sent Spiro Agnew instead. <laughs> Boo. Boo. Which I'm sure was a. I mean, Agnew is a force for evil too for the left. But you know sure. that that's that's not a rallying cry for. You're not going to get busloads coming up from Berkeley to boo Spiro Agnew, right? I do feel like Spiro Agnew and the Portland or, or the Oregon uh, VFW. Or it's not VFW though. It American was Legion. American Legion. I feel like they're at the same level, right? Nixon would be a ten to the <laughs> to the American Le- Oregon American Legion. But this is the National American Legion oh, convention. Legionnaires so. have come all over the country. Even so, to Portland. Nixon's pretty hot at that moment. I think Agnew's about the level. There was some. Uh, there was some worry that, you know, when the kids, the kids started to peel off later in the festival, as will happen. And everybody was kind of worried, uh-oh. Like, well, it will happen if the dead doesn't show. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> Once they find out, it's just Lloyd-Jones and his brown sugar band. Um, and they're, oh, no, they're, they're going to head downtown. This is where the ruckus starts. But instead, the kids just went home. They'd, they'd had a rough weekend. They, were, they just wanted to sleep in their own beds, I think. Um, the People's Army Jamboree assembles. 10,000 Legionnaires are still going to march through Portland on the on the victory in Vietnam banner. So they're and they're doing this as a provocation it sounds like kind yeah, of. Yeah, right? I mean maybe more of a political one than a, you know, I don't know if they're hoping for for uh, police intervention, but yeah, they want to be on the news um as a force for law and order here and in Indochina. Mm-hmm. Um but nothing happens. The People's Army Jamboree brings its depleted forces to the march in hopes of making trouble also and it's, it's like all, it's 40 a, kids. It's and, a big nothing burger. For a moment, it looks like things might get tense. And then like an old lady stands in front of the cops and says, shame on you. And it all, the moment evaporates. Shame. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. Um, and so violence is averted. There is no second Chicago in the streets of Portland. It feels like the Decemberists video for 16 military wives. I can't believe there's not a Decemberist song about Vortex One. Maybe there is. Um but seven weeks later, Tom McCall was reelected in a landslide. Yeah! 56% of the vote. Okay! And I think it's largely because of Vortex One. Like, sure. it seemed statesmanlike. Yeah, people um, realized, oh, that's how you do it. Just put all the hippies in a state park somewhere and... Uh, it's like distracting and, 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 a toddler with a, you know, like, oh, the kid keeps wanting to drink the borax. Let's put a let's put some pie over on Nana's chair and... And we'll right. pull the kid away. The right. American Legion convention here is the Tide Pod, but um, you just need to distract them with the chill sounds of the bluey theme. Or in this case, the blues rock stylings of, of <laughs> Charlie, Charlie Musselwhite, Musselwhite and, uh, and the Duke of Earl guy. Now, I wonder, you know, we talk a lot recently in American politics about the way that the conservatives have gamed have gamed the electoral process uh, in a lot of different ways. They've redistricted. Electorally. They've, uh, they've, they've post, they've, you know, they've, uh, they've passed a lot of voting restrictions. They've done a lot of uh, gerrymandering. They get on school boards. They're, yeah, they're good with the grassroots stuff. Yeah, it's a- all Angry this... up the suburbanites with kind of made up stuff. Right, the, the ground game. And then the liberals are, are, are really bad at ground game and they keep trying to convince people which is the liberal way, right? You want to convince them 
of the logic of your of your positions, even though there there is no reason left in the world. Why wouldn't the liberals start ground gaming elections by just having like country festivals <laughs> in all the major, like right outside all of the major kind of southern cities, like just put together some guns and God kind of, um, you know, like, like monster truck festival on election, on election day, day, like just within 50 miles of every major southern uh, city and then just. You know, call it call it quits. I mean that that would be enough, right? You just you just pull them away. You just put a little put a little jello over on Nana's rocking chair. S- same rules. You guys can smoke whatever you want. You can smoke whatever you want. I mean, these days, right? It's the it's uh, it's the Appalachians that are smoking all the weed. Sure, that's part. That's like pretty much a Republican platform now is legalized <laughs> weed. Yeah, just no. What what you do is you hand out free oxycontin. And, and, uh, <laughs> Come to Hillbilly LG one <laughs> And that concludes Vortex 1, entry 1403.jm0318, certificate number 21362 in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, you can find... Omnibus Project on all of the social media platforms. Uh, You can find Ken Jennings at Ken Jennings. Still talking about the news probably over there on the uh, internet. Probably not. And then I'm at John Roderick, uh, largely in... Defunct. Largely just archived, but but, uh, every once in a while I I chime in there and direct people to my Patreon. (laughs) Um, you can email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. You can uh, seek out other Futurelings on all these social media platforms by just Googling the word Futurelings. On Facebook or, or, or Reddit or whatever. Right, put it into the search bar. They'll all come running like like it's the headliner at a President's of the USA show. Yeah, just, 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 uh, just put a flag that says Futurelings on top of your RV at any major American festival. And Futurelings will congregate there. Speaking of Patreon, you can support our show at patreon.com slash omnibusproject. It, uh, it is a great thing that you do. It's hard to podcast. It's not... It's not it's, twice it, a week. It How may, many things do you do for an hour twice a week? You, yeah. you guys probably don't even go to the... You don't even exercise for an hour twice a week. You don't go to the bathroom two times a week. For an hour? Futurelings. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it may surprise you, but, uh, there are a lot more podcasts than there are people earning a living at podcasting. It isn't as easy as it sounds. You make it all possible. You do at patreon.com slash omnibus project. And you can send us mail, real life mail. As long as the U S postal service continues to exist at PO box five, five, seven, four, four shoreline, Washington, Nine eight one five five. Can I hear you rustling with a package over there? Yeah, I. Uh, What'd you get? Hit the mail. This one actually says John Roderick, care of the Omnibus Project. So it's not oh. clear whether this is show related or not. Oh, it is show related. <laughs> what, what is it? Why is it just to me? I need to find out who sent this to us. I think we got a note. Is it? Is it? Uh, is it? Naked pictures. Here we go. I like when they, because they Amazon this, but I, I I remember reading the email. Oh, they did send a note via yes. Amazon? Ben Sherrill of Nolansville, Tennessee, which is where we'll be holding 
Hillbilly Elegy 1 <laughs> this November. John mentioned that he was always running out of forks. Yes, I'm out of forks. I was thinking about it this morning. Well, are you a, are you a college sophomore? Why do you not have forks? Well, so... So I what, don't have oyster forks, but that's a little different level problem. <laughs> when I moved, I, I decided, you know, my silverware drawer has always been just like a collection of random silverware that I picked up along the way. Nothing matches. You know, my plates don't match. My cups don't match. It was a thing. You're but, the boxcar children. But I am. But when I got to uh, my new house, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have only things that match. And so I, I started going to like, those little kiosks at, at country fairs that are selling hand-thrown bowls. Yeah. And I was like, it's all going to match in the sense that it was all made by somebody. But it, but I bought a bunch of bowls that don't actually nest together because they're all handmade <laughs> they're all by hand hippies. Truck. Couldn't you just buy a bunch of Fiesta ware or something? Well, so I, tr- I tried that too. But anyway, what I did was I went through my silverware and I took out all the non-matching things. Well, it turned out... In that, the, that's all your silverware. Well, I have a million knives and spoons of this one particular set, but I wasn't paying attention as I did it, and I only kept like four forks. Right. You're an Alanis Morissette song now. Yeah. Is there an Alanis Morissette song about only having four forks? Yeah. I think it's, it's called, called four forks? Dave Coulier Only Has Four Forks. <laughs> they, uh, so these are not, not only do you have four more forks now, but look where they were made. Oh. Their own night of forks, and there's four of them. So a, it's an I, omnibus callback. I've doubled the number of forks I have. You have forks from a 19th century uh, second great awakening religious cult. Well, Ken, you know, you and Mindy are coming over uh, for dinner this Saturday, and I'm gonna have I'm gonna offer <gasps> you a choice of forks now. We get the guest forks. I'm gonna say, look, do you want the Oneida forks? They're look at them, they're quite substantial. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ben. Well, see, that was to me, but we're both going to benefit because you and Mindy are going to be able to look at you sharing the wealth. Use the forks. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe of fear may never come. But if we're forked, if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final. But if Providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. <laughs>